Hey, Jay. Hey, Tyler. Imagine a situation where the world's going to blow up and the, these weird aliens came and they said they're going to destroy everything unless you can give them three impressions. Go. Wow. Okay. Not, they don't have to be spot on. Right. Just your best impressions. And they could be as, as weird and esoteric as possible, but it needs to be something that like a bulk of people would know. Not, not just like, this is my fifth grade English teacher. Um, I could kind of sort of do George W. Bush. Let's hear it. Or George H. W. Let's hear it. Not going to do it. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's a good Dana Carvey's version of I George know, H. W. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Dana Carvey says to do a good George H. W. Bush, it's Mr. Rogers trying to impersonate John Wayne. <laughs> That's a good, well, that's a good explanation. I, I think that some of the best impressions too are not necessarily spot on. Like some of them are so good, he's like, I can't tell the difference. But some yeah. of them are like, like, um, like Will Ferrell's George Bush. Like if you see that, he, like George Bush doesn't actually sound like that, but it's enough that you know what he's doing. Right. And then that becomes funny, but that's not really what the impersonation is. Yeah. I am so bad at impersonations too. Um, well, the world's gonna blow up unless you. Can I give me know. Two more. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Let you down. Uh, oh, I used to be able to do uh, Eddie Vedder. Yeah. But like, <laughs> imagining Eddie Vedder talking like he sang. Yeah. So like, That's a good one. I like that. Oh. And it keeps with our trend of being solely in the mid to late 90s in terms yeah. of all our yeah, references. Right, I like right. it. Yeah. And keeping that train alive. Yeah. There was a famous cartoon, not famous, but it was good. King of the Hill. Yeah. Uh, there, it's famous. It was on TV for a real, real long time. The, the neighbor that never talked just muttered. Oh, yeah. What's his name? I can't even remember. Oh, no. Uh, well, Bartleby, I'm sure, will tell us. Yeah. <laughs> He's so kind. Yeah, I know. So helpful. Uh, you just got to like pick your socks up off the floor before he comes in next time. Yeah, right. Because yeah. he really he almost got away with it. He's getting close. So I, got, I think that's it. But who can you do? Obviously I can do, you can do Robin Williams. Uh, <laughs> that not, None of those have been me. That's always been a ghost of Robin Williams. Just in here. <laughs> oh, I, I can do the. Hmm, uh, hmm. That's the best part about my Rob Williams is that like he uses actual words. I yeah. think that that to me is a funny impersonation. Like my wife does a, a fantastic Walter Matthau, and so I'm going <laughs> to steal this from her. But this is the extent of her Walter Matthau impersonation. I need to step back a little bit from the mic for this. It just goes like this. And if you've ever seen like Grumpy Old Men or anything yeah. with Walter Matthau in it, again, this is all of our references are from the '90s. But that's a pretty good Walter Matthau, yeah. and it was really funny when she did that. Um, I had a, I can do a good Homer Simpson for one line. Okay. And uh, it's a uh, stupid sexy Flanders. So that, that that's all I can a, do. I can't wait to hear that without seeing it. I know. I, and that that's, was actually really That's the good. only one I can do. Every once in a while I can do a little more Homer, but that's that's pretty much it. Uh, and then I can do a um, a Morgan Freeman that that I didn't realize. And it's not great. It's like on par with the George H.W. Bush, Dana Carvey. But it's good enough that you can tell what I was doing. And I only realized it in the morning show at, at New Orleans. So at New Orleans Mission Conference, this yeah. thing that we did, I used to do this thing called the morning show, which was just this be stupid for 25 minutes to wake kids up. And I, I hated energizers. So I was like, we're not doing energizers. No. And so I guess I'll just do weird stuff. And so it was a lot of free association and just me making stuff up at the, at the time. And we kept doing Morgan Freeman. And I don't even know what it's going to sound like when I do it, but it was okay. And it was just like, well, once <laughs> it seemed like those boys were doing many things and they got, yeah. So it's not even that good. It's like a it's bad pretty, impersonation of working for me. It's pretty yeah. okay. You can tell what I'm doing, yeah. but you can't. Here, wait, I'll, I'll read this news story. 
the just piece of paper that's here. Uh, sure, forgetting your keys or phone in the backseat of an Uber is admissible. <laughs> but what about an eight-week-old Chihuahua or a handmade cat puppet? Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I'm Jay. And I'm Tyler. And this is... And I'm Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and this is... Roughing the Pastor. interesting topic to talk about today that revolves around two stories. I thought we had agreed that we would not do interesting topics today. Oh. oh okay. I have three Amazon empty boxes in oh. my office. That's about as uninteresting as I think <laughs> I can get. I like that that's, you immediately had an uninteresting Hell, one. I've got plenty of yeah, uninteresting. Okay. Uh, so we used to, as a youth group, go to the Alive Music Festival. Yes, I remember that one. That one's in Ohio? Yeah. Yep. Great, great festival. Yeah. Uh, they moved the dates to when New Wilmington used to be, yeah. or is. Um, New, New Wilmington Mission Conference, Yeah, as I referred to prior to the theme song. Yep. So I, I don't often get to go to a live anymore, but I think 90% of Christian music is absolute garbage. Yeah. I, I had So here, I actually want to do this right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and maybe maybe this will be an ongoing theme. Here is, uh, it's, and here, wait, is gonna, here's our theme song for this. Okay, uh, so this is going to be called Good Christian Things. Oh, man. So, and, and here are some, uh, I want to list a couple good Christian bands. Please. Legitimate good Christian if bands. If you get to the one that this story centers around, I will, I will ring a bell. Okay, so, uh, and these are legit, like, I would recommend these to people who do not, who are not Christians, people who don't like Christian music uh, or don't have any interest in the church. Yeah. This band, uh, a lot of these are a little dated because they're from my... Uh, I was in youth ministry for 10 years. Uh, I still am connected with youth and, and help out with youth ministry, but I uh, don't anymore. And so it kind of changes the connection you have to some of this stuff. So I don't have to go to any youth conferences anymore or youth stuff. I, right. I do from time to time. But anyway. So a lot of these are from 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, one of the best bands is a band called Me Without You. Oh, They're so a straight good. up, straight up great, like post-punk band yep. um, that you almost certainly would not know they're Christian if you didn't know they were Christian. And even still, it's like, are they Christian? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Not that they're, there's anything anti-Christian about it. They're just like a, they're just a solid band yep. of some weird guys who scream rock music. Uh, and it still holds up. And they still they, they just played Mr. Smalls a couple of months ago. Really? And, yeah, I didn't go. A good, just generic one. Switchfoot's real good. Uh, that was the bell. That's the, that oh, that's the one? That's the one from this story. Um, I don't have much of a bell. I yeah. just have my coffee cup. <laughs> yeah. There was, a, there was a rapper called Pigeon John. He was really good. Yeah. Um, there was a super fun band uh, called Family Force 5. Oh, I love Family Force. Yeah. Obviously sponsors of Veritas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Theme and music. Family Force 5 was a band that when I... So we went to a, uh, a similarly uh, like Christian music festival called... Uh, Cornerstone. Uh-huh. 
and it was in the middle of Illinois. Yep. And it was on an old summer camp, and it was scary. It was like <laughs> hardcore music. It yes. was not like hardcore for Christians. It no, was hardcore, hardcore music. And we went, and all the kids in my youth group when I was in Iowa, this when I was in seminary, um, uh, and they all really liked hardcore music and like on like stuff I just did like a lot of like real guttural stuff I just couldn't get in with. Yeah. And but they were like, we need to go to chorus, and we went to it, and it was a mix of stuff. So like, Amberlin was there, uh, 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 Switchfoot was there, Pigeon John was there, and then there was a band called Family Force Five. And I thought that is terrible. That's a stupid name for a band. Yeah, they're gonna be super dumb. Uh, like they had like a, a pamphlet that had is like a newspaper, and it had all the pictures of everybody. And I saw a picture of them. They all have like neon day glow clothes and flat ironed hair. It's like this band is gonna be terrible. And so I told our whole group, I was like, we have to go see this band because there will be so bad and we went and it was the best show of the whole yes. concert I, I this so my opening story which we are currently on a tangent from yes is a tangent itself from my main point that's good that's good and now I'm going to go on a different tangent yes so we're like five layers into the matrix we're in tangent land yeah. yeah but when we we're, went we're weaving yes a beautiful which and actually band. I'm going to circle back around here yeah when we went to the Alive Music Festival we have a, a volunteer at this church who's absolutely insane uh, when it comes to cooking yeah and we would set up like a legit kitchen in in the woods and have like we had thanksgiving dinner one year we had steaks uh, frequently Whoa. we had like chicken nuggets and yeah. french fries and and the one year he got a rib cooker Ooh. so like you could smoke ribs in the woods nice. and we had this like incredible rib dinner yeah some of the kids of our youth group went to see family force five and then stuck around the autograph line afterwards and when they got their autographs invited family force five to our campsite <laughs> for ribs so their guitar player chapstick came and so everything about family force five it's just like big stupid fun yep but uh like and they even have their their lead singer at the time was named soul glow activator <laughs> their bass player was called fatty yep. their drummer was chapstick uh I can't remember who the other people were, but they and they all have like super like flock of seagulls hair, yep. very mixture of '80s synth pop and um, like emo, mm -hmm. uh, super tight pants, like really everything that you don't want to hang around with. Yeah, is them. But then it's it so works. much fun. Yeah, 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 it just works. So anyway, all circling around to Word Alive. Yeah, ninety percent of the bands are just hot garbage. Yeah, yeah. But then Switchfoot plays. Yeah, and I'm excited. Switchfoot, a very good band. And so we are at I think U two U two ish kind of sounding. Yeah. I mean, like, like less less big. Like U two minus Coldplay equals. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Switchfoot, yeah. Uh, so we're at the Switchfoot and Switchfoot, show. as I said a couple. Sorry, uh, as I said a, a few weeks ago, um, they are rather than being a Christian band, they are a band who happens to be Christian. Correct. Which is the right way to do Christian Correct. Music. Christian yeah. is not an adjective, it's a noun. Yes. But we'll come back to that. Yeah. We're there, and I came down front uh, with all the kids, and we're in the mosh pit, if you could call it that, at the Alive Music Festival. Um, <laughs> Everyone's politely just jumping up and down and not touching each right. other. <laughs> right. And everybody has their phone out, and they're Instagramming or videoing or taking pictures or whatever. And in the hot middle of like the second song, John Foreman came out on like they had like this catwalk. John Foreman, lead singer, lead Switchfoot. singer, Switchfoot. Yeah, comes out and he stops the show. Ooh, and just stops and he says, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna stand here for a second so you can all get one really good picture, 
And then I want you all to put your phones away. Nice. So that we can just be here. Yeah. So we can live this moment together instead of documenting the moment to live later. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, like I'm sitting there with my youth group like, yes, this is, and there. Are, and everybody's like, what do you say? I was looking at my phone. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is this trending? I don't know. <laughs> so put a pin in that. Come back to story number two. Which, by the way, before you uh, move, just one little thing on that. John Foreman's solo stuff is oh probably better gosh. than than, uh, than Switchfoot. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, he has uh, this this these four EPs that are, each one is based on a season. So it's summer, winter, spring, fall. Do you know about and, the new one? And they're so great. Uh, the one, the 24 hours one? Kind of. It, yeah, it's it's 24 hours of a day, but yeah. it's meant to be a road trip. Oh, crazy. It's even better than the, the seasons. It can't be. I anyway, I highly recommend those. They, they have a kind of Elliot Smith-ish feel to them. Maybe yeah. not quite that that morose, but like, hey, it's a guy and a guitar. Yeah. They're really, really good. It's good. Fast forward a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Our good friend Gavin Walton yep. and I yep. went to a Penguin game. Yep. And as we are wont to do, Gavin and I were late. And I am a, I, I put my cards on the table. I'm a deep Penguins fan. Like it is in my DNA. And I deeply am aware of the fact that there is a professional sports team right. that plays hockey called the Pittsburgh Penguins. And 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 hold on to that because you're an interesting yeah. test case in this yeah. subject too. Uh, so Gavin and I are late. So we decide to just embrace the lateness. We go and we uh, we get food, we get drink, we get the whole thing, and we come to the first period a couple minutes late. Were you Mary? We were married. Uh, we had food. Tomorrow we die. And yeah. Well, okay. no, we made it. We survived. Okay. okay the good. Next good. Day good. Uh, <laughs> and we sit down. That was a Bible reference, not a Dave Matthews band reference. Right. Correct. But it Focus works. It people. works either way. I think Robin Williams and Dave Matthews have been a oh. part of every single episode that we've well, done so far. <laughs> and Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Dave Matthews missed the first couple episodes, but yeah. he's he's made a, a rousing appearance yeah. in the last two. But Pete's Dragon, I just had to mention just to keep it. <laughs> just to keep it alive. Keep it there. Uh, so we get through our seats and. Uh, when we first get there, there are people in our seats. Oh. And we say, do we have the wrong whatever? Because sometimes, you know, the ticket print's weird or whatever. Yeah. And they say, no, we're back there. So they, they relocate to a row behind. Did you have to fight them? Or no. They, you just slapped just... them with your white glove and then they, they, they said. <laughs> I just gave them a stern look and I melted their brains. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm indignant. <laughs> but so they move back and it is clearly a group of six people. Yeah. And they got their tickets split up. So four people are behind us, yeah, and there are two people next to us. Ah. A hockey game is three 20-minute periods. Yeah. I was seated next to a young lady who paid, I know, because I'm she's sitting in the same row I am, mm-hmm. so I know how much her tickets cost. Yeah. She paid good money. I bet of the 60 minutes of actual game time in this game, she watched four and a half seconds of hockey. Wowzers. The rest was turned completely away from the ice staring at the people behind her, talking to them. So here I am, A, grumpy old man fryer, put your phone away, kid. But B, like hockey, this is a whole separate topic too. Yeah, Uh, Christianity is my faith and my spirituality. Yeah. Hockey is my religion. Yes. I have rituals. Yeah. I have a prescribed way things are done. Yeah. Uh, I have weird superstitions, particularly around playoff time. Like it's my religion. Yeah. The Console Energy Center, or well, now we call it PPG Paints. PPG. It's yeah. much better than Console because that's a stupid way of saying console. Yeah, right. Yeah. The paint can yeah. uh, is my mecca. Oh, is right? that what they call it? The paint can? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Isn't it, though? Yeah. The paint can's like, that's that's a holy place. Yeah. That's where hockey is played. It's your kabah. Right. Yeah. And this woman <laughs> has come to my temple 
to experience all the goodness (laughs) that hockey can provide. And she's talking to her friends and missing out. And I wondered about the theology of presence. Yeah. About being in a place, being in a place and being present in a place are two totally different ideas. Yes, very much so. And I wonder how much of our lives we are the girl at the hockey game. Yeah. That we are physically somewhere. Our bodies are there. We may have even paid good money to get there. Yeah. But our minds and our spirits are somewhere else. Yeah. Like even watching a game on TV, hockey season, not quite like baseball season. Baseball season is too dang long. It's it's too many games. If you hate baseball, yes. Yeah, it's too many games. I even kind of sort of like baseball. It's too many games. It is. Yeah, it's probably too many games. Yeah. But but hockey's right behind them. Hockey's kind of too many oh, games. Oh, yeah. Uh, How many games are in hockey? 82 games in a regular season. Okay. Yeah, there's 165 <laughs> games in baseball. Also known as double. Uh, but also, <laughs> but also, I guess that is double, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's almost double. And, um, and also, the games are three times as long. But they play them more regularly. Right. Every yeah, day. They, they Every only day. take usually one day, one or two days off a week. Right. Yeah. right. And sometimes right. they're doubling up. But all that to say, when I'm watching a game at home, especially like early season... I could put a game on in the background while I'm doing the dishes. I yeah. could, I'm not invested. Yeah. It's just, it's there, but it's not quite, eh. That's level one. Level two, sometimes I go out to the the uh, bar, the uh, family restaurant, wherever there's a TV yeah. with friends to watch a game. I think that's level two, right? The t- game's on TV, and I'm kind of more invested than I am in doing the dishes. And level three is like being there. Yeah. Level five is being down on the glass, but that's a different story, too. Yeah. But again, it just kind of all Wait, about. Wait, d- explain down on the glass for people who don't understand what that well, means. Well, down the gla- so like my seats are always way super up high, yeah, uh, up in the nosebleeds in the in the in the hockey arena. Yeah, the ice surface is surrounded by boards with glass, and my one of my bucket list things I've never done it is to sit the chair behind the glass of the boards. Not right up against it? No, I, well, no, I mean the chair. Oh, gotcha. I want gotcha. it to be glass. So you can stand up me. and smack on the glass. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's an experience I need to have before my life is over. Yeah. Uh, what What would a, a human have to pay it's a to lot. get there? I mean, it's, a lot like 50 bucks? No. 50 bucks is... <laughs> Fifty bucks is not quite enough to get you into the cheap seats that I usually sit in. I knew in. that that was way too little, yeah. but it came out of my mouth thinking, like, <laughs> what would I pay to sit that close? And so it's like a thousand bucks. It would be like two, three hundred bucks. Okay, per seat, right? Yeah, yeah. Which again, not unreasonable. So for... you need one for you and one for your hat, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hat tricks are a whole other thing, right? Again, <laughs> we could go on and on about hockey, but it just so offended me that someone would come to level three engagement. Yeah. With a level one attitude. Yeah. And say, well, I'm kind of watching it, sort of. And it was even a terrible game. The Pens lost. They were awful all night. Yeah. I didn't want to watch the game because they were terrible. Now, do you feel like she was disengaged because they were terrible? Or no. she came she came disengaged? Because it took a while for the wheels to fall off in that game. We didn't yeah. really lose it till like halfway through the second. Yeah. It was a somewhat close game, wasn't it? It was in, close it enough. started close, close enough. enough that it was a game the whole time. Right. Yeah. Just right. A, not a fun game towards the second half. Right. Right. Or the second part of second half of the three part game. Yeah, <laughs> right. right, right. Hockey's yeah. weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's obvious that hockey is a Canadian export. So, right? like, wait. The, the, last week we talked about, uh, um, or previous week we talked we talked about Death Cab, and one of the Death Cab for Cutie was a band, and they had a side project called the Postal Service. Yes, they did. And there's an amazing song by the Postal Service called, um, uh, the, what's the song where he sings with the girl? 
like the duet. Oh, um, um, we're talking about marriage and how he thinks it's a nothing better, idea. nothing yes. better. And uh, there's a song uh, where he or a line in that where he says, uh, like a goalie tending the net in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and I know enough about hockey to know <laughs> Ben Gibbard does not know much about hockey, right? Because there are not it. quarters. That's yeah, in hockey. There are yeah. periods, yeah. and there's only three of them. Right. So he's wrong on both parts. <laughs> If he'd said third quarter, I could I could get down with him. But I think either he didn't know and he just put it in there, or he did know, but the the meter needed quarter. Yeah. And goalie tending the net was better than like yeah. basketball player shooting yeah. a shot or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. But anyway, so it comes back down to presence and how much of yourself is involved in anything you're doing. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day too when I was on a, a bike ride on a trail. Uh, we have a lovely trail here in town, the Montour Trail. Um, it's absolutely stunning. It's and an old uh, train? Yeah. Yeah. So it's easy. Yeah. Uh, I think max like 2% incline either way. Nice. Um, but it's just pretty. Like it's through the woods. There's creeks and waterfalls and stuff. But I have done that so many times that I caught myself the other day riding along going, I'm not paying attention anymore. Yeah. I'm just in autopilot. Like yeah. I'm not noticing these cool little features that I used to love or it's just become rote yeah Uh, so like i guess that's ultimately the question how do you preserve the presence when you're doing the same thing again and how how do you keep excited 82 games into a season yeah metaphorically well and that so it's an interesting to to take it so i have um an immense appreciation for people who appreciate hockey and Mm. that sounds like a convoluted thing to say (laughs) right there's a beautiful thing at the very be- so there's a book uh, by it's it's again it's from the 90s everything's from the 90s <laughs> everything's from the uh, 90s this is we should just call this podcast all that <laughs> um, so uh, there was a, a book I, I mean it probably came out in the early 2000s but it's called Blue Like Jazz by Donald yes. Miller like classic Christian book and the the best part of that book is the first page of that book hmm. first page of that book talks about how Donald Miller, Donald Miller, Donald Miller. <laughs> you have to say it three times. Uh, it's like Tony, Tony, Tony. Uh, so Donald Miller uh, did not like jazz music right. and because uh, it didn't resolve. That was his point. It just kind of keeps on going. Yep. And until one day he came out of a theater and he saw a guy on the street, like a busker, uh, playing the saxophone. He was playing jazz music on the saxophone, playing like a solo. And he played it for 20 minutes without opening his eyes. Hmm. And... And he said, after that, I liked jazz music. Yeah. And he said, um, sometimes you have to watch someone love something before you can know how to love it yourself. Yeah. And I love that. And it's resonated. And, and you don't need to read the rest of the book. That's the, that's <laughs> that's the whole it. book. Like, that's just, it. Yeah. And, uh, and because, the, I mean, the book is really good, but the, the whole point of it is that. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing in terms of Christianity. And a beautiful thing in terms of, I think, what we're talking about is that I am not... Uh, I'm not antagonistic towards hockey. I have ha- just have no connection to it. It's not part of my language. It's not part of, uh, I, I, I don't even think to think about it. And I, um, but I just don't, and I, to watch it on my own, I don't really even know what to do. Like, I don't know how to <laughs> excited to get and things like that. Um, but I have gone to, I think two uh-huh. games with you. Yep. And that experience was, even though I was probably, uh, maybe a little closer to that that girl than <laughs> than I would like to think, but just the experience of watching wa- going to the game. If I had gone by myself, it would have been a foreign experience. Yeah, going to it with someone who loves it, but you're not crazy. You are still right. cognizant of I'm here with this person. I'm going to bring them into this. Yeah, 
Um, and it was, it, it was a great experience and like the, some of the most fun sporting events that I've had for a sport that I don't really know much about and don't have huge, like, obviously I want the penguins to win, but it's not going to change my day if they lose. Um, it was a 90, when I've been 94 or five. I went on a mission trip to Chicago and was in a homeless shelter watching the Chicago bulls during the championships. Oh man. When, Oh, it was outrageous. Was that the first one when he came back? No, that was 96. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, that again. Pre-Space Jam. This I, is right right yeah. around Space Jam. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that, again, watching even that event on TV, having zero exposure to basketball. Like, I still don't. Yeah. NBA. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. But being in a homeless shelter with a bunch of guys that were thoroughly invested yeah. in the Chicago Bulls winning and watching that game with them on TV, even that. Yeah was an incredible experience that stuck with me so and it's even <clears throat> that's that's a fun part of this too like i people that i want to get excited about hockey which we could put an evangelistic spin on this mm-hmm. too if we really wanted to um people that aren't excited about hockey that i think could be my gut response is we gotta come to a game yeah you have to be in the room yeah because like even tv it doesn't yeah you can't meh, it's not the same but being there, and I apologize if I gave you any, the, the, there is, though I'm not crazy, a Jason Fryer silence that oh. my wife has come to know. Like when a game gets real tense, <laughs> I shut down. Yeah. Like there's no more com- communication, conversation. I am just locked in. To, I get that way in like football games. Yeah. 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 Not so much in baseball games because baseball uh, has a different level of stress. So baseball is my sport. Baseball is the yeah. sport that I, uh, it's my favorite sport to watch. It's my favorite sport to play. Um, I played it in high school um, and uh, still played softball until our softball team dissolved. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's just, I think it's a great game and it's a great pastime. And it's a, I think it's, to me, it's my favorite sport to be present at. It's not quite as, I I understand the slowness of it. It has a whole different pace. I mean, it's, it's like if you're used to, I mean, to, to make a like a music analogy, if you're used to listen to the radio and like pop songs that kind of have a they they're going somewhere in three and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, baseball is a little like jazz, but uh-huh. even a little more like classical music. Like what? it's going to take 20 minutes to figure out where it's going. And at the end, it's just going to end up where it started. Yeah. What I love about baseball, baseball does have a sweet spot for me. I'm not like an avid fan of anybody. Yeah. I nominally like the Pirates. I nominally like the Yankees because yeah. my aunt says I have to. Oof. I know. We could do a whole episode on that, too. Oh, man. I think we could do no more episodes. I think <laughs> it might be done. That's the, the worst thing you could have said. How do you I, feel about the Patriots? Are you okay oh, no, with them? Okay. The yeah. I Guess what? The Those are the Yankees. I know. Yeah. And But I vacation in New York and I have to. Like, I'm contractually obligated. There's, they have to, the Mets. Yeah, no one likes the Mets. That's why you should like them. <laughs> but anyway, baseball is an incredible detox from the hockey season. Yes. when the Because when, hockey is like four hours, three hours, however long the game actually goes. Yeah. Of pure stress. Yeah. Because it could it's change. Like, like football. Right. It yeah. could change at any second. And, it's and, like football with, with no stopping. Right. Yeah. It's just constant. Yeah. Baseball, after the playoffs are over, whether the team has won or lost, is a nice, whew, Yeah. take a deep breath. And baseball action-wise is almost the inverse of mm-hmm. hockey. Like yeah. hockey, despite having an intense game with a final score of one to zero, <laughs> right? Uh, right. That it is constantly moving. Like it's just like when it shares the, it could change it on a pitch. Yeah. On a single pitch. Yeah. You know, a team that and, was- and but baseball, like there's action all the time, and you can have, and some of the best games are games in which no one gets a hit. Right. So you could have a double no hitter going. 
into the ninth inning yeah. where both pitchers have no hitters. And at the very end of the game, uh, they they walk three people. <laughs> and then they got one more out to get. Yeah. And then a guy bunts in oh. the, t- the winning run. And it ends one to zero, and it's you've just seen history. Yeah, and so one guy gets a no hitter, the other guy has a one hitter, and lost one to zero. And that is a game where there was z- the only action in the entire game was one bunt. Yep, and everything else just was watching people watch pitches go by, or swing at pitches, or hit blooper pop ups, <laughs> like not yep, not uh, highlight reels, but still that is a tense. So really, again, the opposite of hockey, because hockey is just constant movement, constant yep. stuff, even if there's not high score. Like it's shots, 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 shots. Like yep. there's 100 shots on goal Yep. for on both sides. Yep. Yeah. So bringing that to the church, that whole conversation of both the cell phones at the concert, the girl at the game, going to a game for the first time with somebody's passionate about it. Yeah. Part of my role here at Westminster is media pastor, yeah. right? So behind you, because people can see behind you on the audio behind podcast. You, he's not talking to me. He's talking to you listening to this podcast. No, turn behind, around. Behind you, Pastor Domsky. Turn around right now, everybody. Look behind you. <laughs> is a system that somebody invested a lot of money in Ah. that is video cameras in our sanctuary. Uh, not the big rack that you're looking at now. That's just from the 1960s. <laughs> somebody invested a lot of money in that, too, though. <laughs> yeah, right. A long time ago. Yeah. But that is set up for live streaming the service, right? Yeah. So you can, you can yep. tune in on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. I have chafed against actually doing that from the beginning. Ooh. I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate the idea of online church. All apologies to anybody that's big on online church. And everyone online who's listening to this. Well, no, but this is something different. This, <laughs> this is true. That's true. This is not This is not church. This, this is, is not church. This is communicating. Chuckles is a clown's talking about theology, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a couple of dopes talking about the 90s and then right. trying to connect it to Jesus. Any, yeah, yeah. So there is a time and a place where watching the game on TV makes sense. Yeah. But I think something about church needs to be embodied. Something about church needs to be in community. And the idea of somebody sitting at home in their pajamas on their laptop completely alone listening to one of my sermons scares the crap out of me. Or even what's probably more likely is that they just have it on while they're like making lunch. Yeah. Doing laundry, doing yeah. dishes, whatever. The same way that you watch hockey mm-hmm. early in the season. Yeah. That it's just, it's it's nice background noise to whatever the main thing that you're doing. Yeah. And you can catch it every once in a while and jump in, but it's not, you're not present in it. Right. It's just occasionally you happen to hear something. And I think the push behind it, <laughs> a while back I was at a church and Ed and I started a contemporary worship service. Yep. And it was at a church where traditional ruled the day, so they weren't going to let us have any airtime on Sunday. Yeah. So our contemporary worship service is on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Right? And one of the most offensive comments anybody's ever made to me, somebody came up to me when we first started and said, oh, it's on Wednesdays. Does this count? Oh. And I went, for what? Yeah. And, and it's that mindset of, I think you were talking about it in an earlier episode, yeah. that like, check the list. It's if attendance-based you, membership. Right. Did yeah. I did I cross off the attendance yeah. list? I think the idea of the, the, the online church originates out of, well, I did it. Yeah. I, I, I participated sort of. Well, and that's the thing that, I mean, it's so my church has a, a, a little under 200 members. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's easy for me to make this argument being in a smaller church. But I had, so when I was in seminary, um, I arbitrarily, uh, I had not really worked in the church. I had like helped out with youth groups and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I was, a, I was a public school teacher before that. So I didn't 
have any interest in being in the church. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't like envisioned having my own congregation or anything like that. And as we were learning about stuff, that's when I first learned about a, a church called Willow Creek, which was mm-hmm. in uh, outside of Chicago. It was in Illinois, like central Illinois. Yeah. And, um, and it had like 20,000 members, something like that, like the, the bigger than my town growing up. Yeah, right. And um, it, I just couldn't imagine what, how that's a church. So all the churches I'd been a part of had been around 500 members, maybe yeah. maybe a little less than 1,000, like somewhere between nine to five, 900, 500 members um, growing up. And I was in a bunch of different churches because my dad was a pastor. We moved around a lot. Um, and uh, so I just thought that's what church is. Mm-hmm. And I think that for most Protestant churches, that's kind of what church is. Right. But this idea of a, of a mega church that would have 5,000, 20,000 people I can't even I couldn't I couldn't picture what that was and I still struggle to identify how that is a church because and it, again it's not trying to rip on on mega churches especially right. from the place of like I would love to have the budget of a mega church <laughs> right um but the uh and even I mean this church here is a, a large church mm-hmm. for a mainline denomination yep. um anything north of a thousand is always that's a that's a huge church yeah um and uh, so, but the, the the problem with that, so anyway, all that is to say, when I was in seminary, I heard about that and I, and I just kind of arbitrarily said, I don't think a church should be bigger than 200 members. Yeah. And I think if it gets, like if a church goes to 300, you should split into two 150 member congregations. Yeah. And then just keep, and if you grow, that's great, but then just keep, keep moving, subdividing like an amoeba. <laughs> uh, and my main reason for saying that is that I don't think as a pastor, I don't think you, a pastor can get to know people in a group larger than 200 well, that's, and even 200 is, is hard, but in 200, you can get an idea of who is, who is a regular person in that room. Yeah. And you can know a certain percentage, but you can expect, and it's not that the pastor has to know everybody, but the leadership of the church can know pretty much everybody in the church. One of the neat things about our church, which seems very quaint is that they, they take attendance, not by, um, uh, by sign in pew pads, but someone, has like an attendance sheet with everybody's name on it and just stands in the back of the sanctuary <laughs> That's awesome. and just checks off everybody's names and puts where they are. And it's so helpful for us because we can know. And again, I think attendance is is dumb and we don't really need to know that. That's not really a metrics for success, but it's a good metric to know. Here's these people or like this, these people haven't been here in a month. Right. So maybe we should give them a call and just say, not say, get yourself to church, but just say, Hey, how you, are you doing? Okay, yeah. like we just haven't seen you in a while it, because we care about them. Yeah, and it shouldn't um, by knowing that in the room and not just from the pew pad. It also recognizes that when I see so and so who hasn't been here for two months, and I notice that they're here, I can go up to them afterward. I, I can't because I'm not the one taking attendance, but <laughs> right. th- but someone can go up to them and say, "Hey, it's good to see you again. How you been doing?" And yeah. um, I think that the part of the, what that is ultimately is that it's about relationship, yeah. and and we have made the church be an institution and institutions are not about relationships. Institutions are about the, the, the thing itself. Uh, The goal of an institution is to remain in existence. The goal of a relationship of a community is to be together and to know one another and to enjoy being together. And when you do that, uh, it's a very different thing. The late great Eugene Peterson, who is most famous for the message, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Because the message is okay. The message, which is a uh, contemporary English tra- uh, like paraphrase of the Bible. Yeah. It was very big in, wait for it? The 90s. The 90s. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. It, it, it's fine. The books he wrote, 
that aren't the message. Oh, it's amazing. Are incredible. And there's not, there's less wrong with the message as an idea and more right. wrong with what people made it out to be. People right. put too much on it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But one of the things he said in one of the books I was reading of his recently was he never wanted to work in a church where he couldn't know everybody's name. Yeah. And that he's Presbyterian. He is. Yeah. Well, he was. He passed away. Yeah. Well, still is up there. Well, that's true. I don't know. They subdivide, but I think you still get to wear a badge. <laughs> yeah. It determines the color of robe. Yeah, you that's get true. When you that's get true. Uh, but it's but, which softball team you're on. And that you know, again, I'm part of a bigger congregation, 1,800 members. I get a little convicted by that. That thing just fell over all by itself. Yeah. There's a ghost here. That's it. That's actually true. Yeah. We could talk about that later too. Yeah. Jessica, the bride, left it. Yeah, I know. She's, she also hates. Um, uh, plugs, yeah, knocks things over. Yeah, right. Yeah, but anyway, I get a little convicted by the Peterson thing because there are people in this church who I should know their name, but I don't. Yeah, and most of that's just too much. Yeah, There's too many people to keep up with. Your brain can't handle it, and so then your brain becomes okay not knowing. Right. That that, and also no one expects you to know that. Right. When we were, uh, when we lived, my wife and I, we were young couple, had no kids. We had we were living in suburban Chicago. In a place called Naperville, we we just kind of picked the church. We ended up going to it. We went on Sunday nights, and we went to the so their worship service, their evening worship service. And every single week, the pastor introduced himself to us. Hmm. And there were only like sixty people at this worship right. service. So it wasn't like I can understand doing that twice, maybe three times, yeah. but to do it like four months into it, like I get, I get it, buddy. You should yeah. know who. Yeah, I his am. wife yeah. was the co-pastor. She knew who we were after the second week. Yeah. It was like he keeps introducing himself to us. She's like, yeah, he really needs to stop doing that. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Like it, there was some hospitality that went into it, but then it completely killed the hospitality by recognizing, like, oh, you are. It's nice that you're reaching out to us and knowing us, knowing that we're new. Right. It's not nice that you're not recognizing that we're not new anymore. Right. And it makes us feel like we are not noticed. Not part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, so there's this constant struggle. We do things like this podcast. Um, we podcast our sermons from the contemporary service. Yep. That all serves a function. Yeah. Like I know a lot of college students that came to our services when they were in high school, but now they're dispersed far and yeah. wide. They want to hear the sermon. Great. Yeah. That's fine. And they'll be part of it when they're here. Well, and you guys do lectionary, right? Yeah. So the lectionary is this, um, it's this. Revised Common Lectionary is a thing that's it's ecumenical. So there's a lot of churches, uh, Protestant and Catholic, uh, just Christian churches throughout the world who who have chosen this three-year cycle where they would pick certain texts. So every week you're all preaching on basically the same text. And over a three-year period, you preach through the entire Bible. Right. So by doing the lectionary, there is a continuity to it. So in a sense, if someone like goes away on vacation, uh, they may miss a week by having the sermon, then they can, if the sermons are building on each other, then that right. that's helpful. So there is some pragmatic realities to why that can be um, a helpful endeavor. Right. So even that, you know, if they're away at college and they have a church, that you create an interesting opportunity where if you go to a church that also does the lectionary, yeah. you get two preachers. I always love you post on Instagram, or yeah. you were for a while, Yeah, your outlines. I do, I'll do it again, but sometimes my outlines are not as complete as I'd like them to be. <laughs> By the time it's... Uh, but anytime you and I preach the same day on the same lectionary text, yeah. I love pulling. I don't do it till after I'm done because yeah. I'm afraid you will shape what I do. Yeah. Uh, but I'll pull yours up and be like, what do you do with this? So like there's there's some cool global community that yeah. can come from stuff like that. But Well, I, and, it, and it gets to that nation, notion of the larger relationship of the church, that it is right. one church. It's not many churches. And so right. what I like about the lectionary is that it's not me picking what I'm preaching on. Because if I picked, I would just pick. I, I would end up kind of doing the same things that I really like and ignore the things I don't. Yep. 
we all have a selective canon, a selective uh, uh, part of the Bible that we like. For many people, it's the just the New Testament. You're <laughs> yeah. really missing out a lot if you skip the Old Testament. But we all have areas that we like to go to. Um, but by preaching the lectionary, there's a shared sense of we are. This is one voice in the harmony, the, the harmony that is the larger discussion that's happening throughout the world on this text on yeah. this day. Yeah. And I think in all of that, in that harmony, there is a value to being in the room at the game that yeah. isn't there if you're not present. Yeah. Um, well, and also part of it is that I think that um, we, that there is, there's a beauty to being in the room and being present. Um, and, uh, but it's still also helpful that we have the other, oh, the, sure. the other alternative. So, I'm not like, totally hating on them. Yeah. Like they serve well, yeah. a purpose. There is a, you can still be part of a community and part of like connected to something even when you're not physically there. So we're not just ragging on people right. who don't have the capacity to physically be in a place, but it's more that notion of just because you're physically in a place doesn't mean that you're actually connected to it. Right. But you can physically be there and be not present at all. That's, that's the other side of this is yeah. not just the church. Yeah. Right. I, I think for as, for as adamant as I am, people need to be present in worship spaces, you need to be present at Trader Joe's. Yeah. You need to be present with your kids. Yeah. There's nothing more heartbreaking to me when my kids have to fight for my attention. Yeah. Like when I am somewhere else and in, yeah. in brain And side, boy, it happens a lot. All Because the there's so time. many things, not only um, occupational things, but they're mm -hmm. also just the world is constantly trying to get us to, the world is constantly saying, look over here. Yep. Sometimes it feels like that to me with um, what it was like to, how you used to be able to find music. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just go on Spotify and have Discover Weekly tell you what you should like right. <laughs> or, or figure out what's like people weren't posting on uh, Twitter, or SoundCloud, things like that. It was just what was on the radio. And if you didn't like what was on the radio, you needed someone to tell you. Yeah. And you needed to know that person enough to trust them. And there was a relational quality in sharing a music. And it was a, a really it was a really cool thing. Um and, and like a profound thing that's that's been lost. And I, we kind of joked about doing a show about mixtapes, and I do think we need to do yeah, that at some that's point. that's coming up. Um, but just as a precursor to that, not to kind of spoil the whole point of that, but th there's something about when you make a mixtape, you're making it with care, knowing that they have to listen to everything. Yep. And so you have to think about everything. It's different than making a playlist now where you can just dump a bunch of songs you love. You can take five minutes just putting a bunch of songs together and be yeah. like, here you go. But it, to if actually you can push a shuffle button, it yeah, doesn't count as exactly. a mixtape. Exactly. It, it Unless you, and, and I mean, you can kind of synthesize that if, as long as someone's willing to play along and say, I've made this playlist, know that it's meant to be listened right. to in this order. Please try. Um, but that's right now, we, instead of having just a few choices and we need to connect with people to learn more, you have all the choices. Yep. This might be a whole other conversation too, but like it used to be back in the days when Blockbuster ruled the world. If you bought a crappy movie, you invested yourself the whole way through. Yeah. With Netflix. Oh, you can bail 10 minutes into something. Right. If this is I've seen the first half hour of thousands of movies. Yeah. Because who yeah. cares? Just or even like, hey, there's this movie. Let's say a movie like Human Centipede. <laughs> <laughs> this went to a weird place. Yeah. So that's where Netflix takes us, is to a place uh -huh. I would never 
go to a movie theater to see Human Centipede. Right. I would never rent Human Centipede. Right. I would never pursue Human Centipede. But it comes but up there, and it just like all of a sudden Human Centipede was on, was like there. Netflix saying maybe you should watch this, and I said no, I shouldn't. Netflix, yeah, and they're it. like, are you sure? And I was like, I don't know. And so. <laughs> Anyway, all that is to say, we are inundated with so many things to take our attention that we can't even commit to a movie right? Uh, without saying, uh, like I've seen, I have not seen all of Man of Steel. Mm. I have not seen all of Justice League. I've not seen all of Batman and Superman. You don't um, need to on the last yeah, one. Yeah, uh, but I have watched probably 40 minutes of each of them. Yeah. Enough to know I don't like this. So not only, I mean, Netflix is a great example of, of just too much. Mm. And I think that we we are in this society with this overabundance of stuff, which is not, I don't just mean to, to dump on our society, because I think right. it's great, because you can still be intentional about mm -hmm. that. If someone wanted to see all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies just gonna say before that. the next one comes out, you can do that in yeah. a week, because they're all fairly accessible they're not all streaming right now but i mean if you wanted to drop some some coin you can buy them all right and buy them all tonight you wouldn't yeah. have to go to the store to get them nope. you wouldn't go to best buy and realize that oh they're out of winter soldier so i guess i can't do this like that um you can get everything right away yep and so that's a good thing but because of that it changes the way our brain thinks about stuff yep and the accessibility of being connected to a community through audio or video off-site changes our intentionality about being present in that thing. Yeah. Because sometimes we undervalue the true nature of what the church is. The church is not a worship service. Right, no. Church is the relationships, it's the community. It's one of the things that I know many people have uh, used this kind of terminology, but I heard um, Ayanna Teeter, who is a person who had worked for the presbytery. Uh, she now works for the seminary. Uh, and she would always say, hello, church, mm -hmm. and talk to us in the collective. Every time she got up in front of a, a group of people, she would say, hello, church. And it was so welcoming and so genuine. Yeah. And I've done that a couple times when I remember it. But at first it felt awkward, but it's it's disarming Yeah. when you say that to people. And they're like, ooh, they're talking about us. <laughs> and it's not hello, members. It's no. not hello, individuals. Mm -mm. It's not a welcome. It's Hello, pastors of catechism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not uh, any qualifier. It's church. And it helps it, it, when you really start to help people understand that church is a bigger thing than a building, a bigger thing than any one institution, that we are bound together with believers and non-believers, like people who are struggling with this but who are endeavoring to be together yeah. and to, to pursue this journey and understanding who God is and, and what our purpose here is. Uh, that when we do that together, we're part of a great community hmm. of people pursuing something bigger than them. Yeah, and there's beauty in that. And I think that that um, the to 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 connect it all to all this, I think that one of the best things about sports is the potential for wonder hmm. with an O. Yeah, and that especially being at a live place to to bear witness to something that you could not have imagined would happen yep that and it could be something like this amazing shot it could be this amazing comeback it could be um a, a momentous home run it could be a no hitter yep. like it, it could be all these things it could just be uh this play that they will show on web gems forever like right. this catch that i mean maybe they lost astronomically but they just had this one play that was just so amazing yep being there 
There's and, something about that yeah. that will follow you for the rest of your yeah. life. You will always say, I was there when. And when you're present in a place, you have this anticipation of awe. You are ready to be amazed. And we, yeah. we have that in sports more than any other place in our, in our yeah, lives. I agree. And uh, in the church, what the what worship is doing is it is it's bearing witness to that, but it's also preparing us for that. Like yeah. it's it's kind of like a report. Like what did you see this week, hmm. and then here's what you need for next week. Yeah, it's not it's it's rarely for most people that's the only time where they're where they're open to wonder, and uh, that's not what it's really for. Yeah. It's really kind of reporting like, hey, we saw this stuff, and hey, remember to be open for this stuff. <laughs> I was excited about what was happening there. I was trying to. because You started looking see. up and you saw, I was like, are you having a stroke? No. Are you uh, thinking of <laughs> something going on? I'd heard somewhere. I'm leaving that in. That I, was, oh, that yeah. was wonderful. Yeah. I, I think there, I, this is probably totally myth, but I've heard that if you have to sneeze, stare look at, at a light. Look, stare at a light. So I was trying badly to not. Because yeah, you were, that you did were not really work. wrapping it up yeah, well. I was, I, we were almost done. <laughs> that was great though. The spirit moved. <laughs> But I think that that's all, all that is to say. I think that that what the church is called to do is to, is two things. We're called to to wander mm. with an A, yeah, and to wonder mm. with an O. And that like little kids wonder, and they're asking why. They want to know what's going on. They're looking ready to be amazed, and they're amazed when they go down the trail and see the butterflies and the, the creek and and all of the 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 beauty of the the nature that's around us on a, on a trail that we've ridden our bike on hundred times. times yeah. And they are excited by a baseball player making a routine catch or a baseball player throwing a, a, a pop-up to them um, or a hockey player doing whatever hockey players do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same things. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like catching, catching balls and throwing them at, at kids. Yeah. Uh, but that, that, um, when when Jesus says that we need to have faith like little kids, it's not to say that we have an ignorant faith. It's just that we have a faith that doesn't forget that we're supposed to be amazed by stuff. Right. And in order to be amazed, you have to be present. In order to see a double rainbow, you have to look at the sky. Oh. In order to see a butterfly, you have to notice that they're around us all the time. Yeah. And uh, in order to do that, a lot of times you do have to wander. You have to go into places where you don't normally go. You have to not just expect to only see God in this one room one hour a week. Yeah. And because if that's the only place you're looking, you're not going to be that surprised. No. no. And so uh, know that God exists, that God thrives and lives a vibrant life outside of the church and invites us out outside of the church. And the church is just this one spot where we come back and report what we've seen yeah. and are encouraged by what other people have seen and encouraged to go and look for some more. Yeah. And that when we go to, any game that win or lose the joy of, of going to a sporting event is being part of something that is real. And even if they lose, you were still there. Yep. And the beauty of the game is there's always tomorrow. Yeah. And even when there's not tomorrow, there's always next year. <laughs> if you're a Mets fan, there's always <laughs> next year. <laughs> On the social media machines, uh, rough the pastor. If you're a Twitter at Ruff the Pastor. At Ruff the Pastor. Uh, roughing the Pastor if you're on Instagram. Yes. Based on all of that, can you tell us a time that you were genuinely filled with wonder in the last month or so? Oh, yeah. I think that's a good question to ask the, the followers of this fine podcast. And even if you want to double up on your, um, your uh, homonyms, mm. is there a time when you had wandered and were exposed to wonder? Yes. Yes. I try. Oh. I really try to enunciate the difference in vowel it's sounds. It's hard. It is that hard. Is. <laughs> well, I've been Jay. I've been Tyler. This is. Hang on. 
Hang Sorry, Barbley's here. Barbley, what do you got? All right, he said the stove is broken. <laughs> well, it's we'll, not my job, Barbley. We'll dock your yeah. pay. Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, wait, house elf. We don't pay him anything. Yeah, that's true. That's great. He makes the best butter beer. <laughs> it's true. It's Thanks. really good. Unrivaled. I'm Tyler. And I'm Jay. And this has been Roughing the, the Pastor. Pastor. See y'all next week. Bye. Bye, guys.